So yeah, we have a special thing today. Like uh, Christina is going to possibly join us later, but uh, those are longtime listeners of especially the Delta. We have Andrew back on joining me to be able to like, you know, reference, what was it? Episode 21, 20, 21. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then that makes sense for the beverages we're having, correct? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, do you want to say anything to the good people of, you know, the Heartland community before I, uh, jump into this um i i i don't know if i have anything off the top of my head to say that would be appropriate for all audiences but i'm glad to be here i always love talking fair enough fair enough Dude, i can put the e on i can just like click it christina is not here so that we can just click the e that. you know the little explicit e like most oh. of the time the delta doesn't have the explicity but we can we can drop it oh no that's okay well i, I think it'd be funnier if uh, if you if I just you know I, you said do you want anything to say and then there's just yeah how about and then just that tone like what the the bee, like when someone comes. Kind of- All right, so like I said, my name is well, I was gonna say Christina. Well. We want to start us over? I mean, you are, you know, you do say we quite a bit. So, I mean, if if you finally fused into one being, you look great, um, by the way. <laughs> Two heads, you know, I can dig it. Christina, the Christina head is sleeping, so I understand how you got confused. Yeah. But, yeah, good good to see you, the amorphous blob that is Nick and Tina. Uh, I'm Andrew, and uh, we're, we're trying out something new. Over here, uh, I guess I'm taking the lead, and I'm the new host. Welcome, welcome to the Heartland Pod. <laughs> Thanks for being with me. Yeah, I'm uh, Nicholas Linky. I'm the guest on this special episode. I am now moving into a new position for a little while of doing some outreach programs for teachers in the Midwest in the Heartland, and I was formerly a teacher for 11 years in the in rural areas particularly um, most of the time my wife Christina joins us and we have three children that sometimes drive us crazy but also frame our perspective on the heartland as far as how it affects family school politics all that meshed into one that is a amalgamation is that a mm-hmm, fair enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. word that is almost a blobulous sense that you just described of my wife and I just add the kids in there it's even worse I mean it's the way I think of you you know so now everyone knows <laughs> All right, go ahead. You. And and I'm my name is Andrew. Uh, I have a, a math background. Uh, I've been doing SEO and online wizardry for the past few years. I love it. And um, this is the first time I I've been hosting the show, but uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm sad that it's also my swan song. This will be uh, the last time that I can legally be on the Heartland Pod because I'm actually moving to Portland in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting thing because a lot of what we discuss is this Heartland perspective that really like most people are looking at as like, okay, well, what does this mean? And one of the most interesting things is like, 
you, this will be one of the first times, if not the first time, that you're really living somewhere else mm-hmm. or committing to living somewhere else for a while. Right. Well, I mean, you can't say that I didn't give Missouri, you know, the best try possible. 100% the best. I, I grew up, you know, in the mid-southern Missouri. I lived in uh, near Springfield for a couple of years. I lived in Columbia for a handful of years. I lived in St. Louis for quite a while. Right now I'm living in a little farmhouse in the middle of nowhere with no neighbors, which, you know, primo stuff if if you can ever do that for at least a year it's it's great to not have to talk to people right uh but like a wall, I, walden pond type of thing and then you finally realize you're like nope yeah exactly well actually i i don't know i don't know if you know this or not but um whenever he was riding walden pond his mother and sister actually brought him donuts cheater yeah so um, that make yeah. it in the book uh, no, no. In the, asterisk the, the book, No, the book is very different. You have to read some kind of memoir written in... So it's a lie. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a lie. Oh, probably. that's fine. Um, Gaslighting, yeah. But, I mean, I did I did occasionally get Chinese with my mom, so I, I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm guilty of that, too. <laughs> a little different than donuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, a little bit better. I don't know. I don't know if they had, had Chinese restaurants where he was at oh, Walden well, Pond. If you're, but... if you're starting to discuss the difference between Chinese food, right, mm-hmm. as being like superior to donuts, right? The Christina <laughs> oh, part of me would just Wait. like rip out everything. <laughs> like I'm, And stab me. Yeah. <laughs> My wife has an affinity for pastries is to say the least. Yeah, correct? exactly. Right. Yeah. right. And actually, actually Christina was good enough to visit me uh, last time That's I was true. in Portland. Um, and we ate donuts about three times a day uh, whenever <laughs> she was out there. That's so. probably not a lie. It's the, well, it's not a lie. <laughs> I mean, I say I say a lot of outrageous things, but you know, I, you don't get between Christina and donuts. You just, if you value your life, give her the donut. That is that is true. That is that is one of the most exciting points that we've made, considering that we're thinking. I mean, pretty much, it's in all of the works to go back to the other coast mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. live again for a month in Washington D.C. so she can continue to pursue her ASL. Um, dream, dream. Like, yeah, she put a lot of that career stuff on hold for a very, very long time, especially with COVID and it's, it's time mm-hmm. just go after it. So yeah, but really, honestly, I do not think it's about furthering the education amount anymore. I think it's just, I think it's just donut run. Yeah, probably I mean, so. Well, and that's that was the the thing, which and is literally the name of the the shop. It's it's wonderful, but that's not run. just a donut run. Like it's literally well, called donut run. And and the, props. the thing that I always thought was so funny whenever I asked about what you guys would be doing, she would always you know tell me where you were going in reference to the donut shop. Oh well, we're going to this one place, and it's you know if you go past the donut shop, it's two blocks down. Or if you're going in the opposite direction of the donut shop, then it's here, here, and here, three turns. Right. Uh, so you can always get back to the no donut shop. Yeah. Not back to home, back to donuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. so the real reasons that I really want to pull you on, besides the fact that you're visiting me before you take a plane, mm-hmm. right, to go. No, I'm driving. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's 30. You took a plane last time, but I forgot you would also need your car the way we will. Yes, Oof. exactly. It is 30, 32 hours, according to Google Maps, mm-hmm. um, from where I live to Portland. So I could, you know, if if I had the right stuff, I could make it in two days. But 
Um, to do it safely, it's probably going to take about four. Yeah. Like, Are you going to be like the, you're going to stop off and see like the biggest rocking chair in all of America. Like well, that. Do you have some of those planned? I'm just I, curious. Some, I of, some of it I kind of do. Um, I think we're going to go up cause you know, my mom probably wants to drive with me cause she hates the idea of me moving. Oh, um, yeah. which that's a different story. But she's also very supportive. It's complicated. Maybe another time while you're there, settled up, we'll we'll hit it back up again yeah. virtually, or I'll actually let you talk to Christina, which would be my work. If, if yeah. I can get special dispensation to to be on the Heartland Pod and not technically live in the Heartland anymore, I I, I would greatly appreciate it. I'll I'll submit you know my request form to the embassy, um, <laughs> but you know. It's a, long it's a long process. It might be another 20 something episodes before yeah. that paperwork. Just goes a bunch through. of random stamping. Yeah. Random <laughs> stamps, lots of signatures. And, you know, I only speak English. Yeah. So, uh. but um, what we're probably going to do is we're going to go north and drive through the Badlands because that's a pretty easy thing to do on the way and it's good scenery. Um, and if we time it out right, we can drive through in the morning, which is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. If you've been to the Grand Canyon, you also would like the, the Badlands. Um, and then no, I, not so bad, not so bad. You know, I don't, I don't think they're named properly. They are the beautiful lands. Like Iceland, sure. Greenland type of thing. Um, yeah. well, I think it's more because, and this is just kind of me pulling this out of my hat. Sure. I kind of think it's because it's harder to live there okay. and that's why they named it. The that. Missouri? Um, well, um, <laughs> I feel so. like, I feel like I'm, I'm going to get in trouble if I start ranking the places to live, uh, I am leaving Missouri. Well, I will rank them by education, 49 and 50th. Oh, there you okay. go. That's the only, that's the only one that I need to know. That's, that's where it is. If we can go up, then it's there's the, that's the only way actually. be better. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, you don't have to rank them. I'm not making you make commitments, but you're going to go through the Badlands mm -hmm. and you have a couple different stops with your mother. Um, yeah. Uh, so, she really likes uh, the mountains and she really likes the Yellowstone. Uh, unfortunately, whenever we drive through, it'll probably be all snowed in. Right. Um, so we'll probably end up driving around, but we'll still be able to see the mountains and probably stop somewhere for the Continental Divide. Right. Uh, and, and stuff like that. Um, but the, the funny thing is... Like, I keep telling her, like, once we get to Portland, like, you don't have to leave immediately. Like, you can hang around and, like, go places <laughs> in Portland. And she's like, no, that's that's okay. And, like, and I feel like she thinks Portland is just this cesspool where people go to get stabbed or something. So uh, she's going to pull, like, the full-blown, like, dropping you off at college. Yeah. Or that's, like, you, you go around the little loop-de-loop. -loop, you, like, throw everything out of the hatchback, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. It all sits there in the yard. You know, the beanbag chair that you just bought that's already, like, deflated. It's got right? a big it, hole in it, yeah. Yeah, all of that just sitting there, and they're like, okay, peace, bye. Because, mm -hmm. like, they're like, oh, I will miss you, and it's so sad that we all going to have an empty nest kind of syndrome, but at the same time, they can't wait to get and have that first restaurant, you know, that they've been uh, missing since... Well, I I think I think it'll be a similar kind of scene, but for very different motivations. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I I I don't know. I think that she's gotten a lot of bad media oh. about Portland, especially Ooh. with you know the uh, outcry against the police in Portland mm -hmm. and the way that the police have mishandled 
things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she she thinks that people hate the police unjustly, maybe, and that um, it's a dangerous, more dangerous place to be than it is. Now, granted, I mean, the, the crime rate has gone up in the past few years, but it's not been violent crime. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot more to do with the growing uh, homeless population in Portland than it does... Um, any kind of other subdivides of humanity that, you know, she might be concerned about or that certain, you know, networks might be concerned with. Right. But um, it's, it's non-violent. I think we're catching on exactly what you're saying. But at the same point in time, I don't want to miss that opportunity to really point that out is that like there is an issue over there that's an underlying root cause that is not being addressed and popularized, I guess, actually, like, really shown in our part of the country as far as an explanation. Although we see similar aspects of it here, the interpretation, the framing of that Mm. is very influential to your mother in particular, or as well as multiple other people about what the coast Mm. is. Mm. What are the coasts doing? How are those liberals, and how are all those like, you know, degenerates, and, like, well, I mean, like, put in whatever, like, it's it's a mad lab, mad... Mad libs, right? Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. smash it all in, and then after a while, you're like, yeah, I really don't know what to make of this anymore because there's all these floating around opinions, and none of them look good on the coast mm. from the inside out, whereas, like, the same reflection is on the in, like, from the outside in. That's what I'm kind of saying, right? The, the prejudice right. is not necessarily the same, or I don't necessarily know how to, like, put it geographically, but it's almost like you have different senses of country you know what I mean? Like different countries, almost like a right. union, whatever. Well, I mean, sense, I mean, how many times have you heard people, uh, especially on the coast, talk about the flyover states? Right. And it's literally like, one of the shows on Friday. Continue. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, and like, I, that's. I mean, I've I've lived my whole life in Missouri, and I right. care a lot about it. But at the same time, um, like I I can see some issues, and I can like see some reasons that I specifically. Um, probably need to live in a safer state for, you know, my person. Right. Um, but at the same time, like I actually went out to, I referenced visiting Portland. I went to Portland for three weeks just to make sure that I liked it, that, you know, it was a good place that, you know, I could find, you know, community there that I'm lacking in Missouri and, uh, turns out I did. So I'm moving. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, they, they have their own misconceptions about Missouri and people from Missouri. Right. I got a couple of those um, very barbed comments of, oh, well, you must be one of the good ones. Uh, oh, yeah. Which never feels good. If you ever think you're going to say that to someone and it's going to be a compliment, it isn't. <laughs> That's very true. Just, you just That's... eat that one. Right, right. Push that one way down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Good advice. That's mm. that's very good advice for any anyone, I think. Let's... Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I would love to show Mom Portland. Um, like I said, I I don't know much of the city, but um, I, I I did get a chance to explore it and make some pretty good friends uh, fairly quickly. And uh, I like the town; just the atmosphere is just completely different. Um, like, I I found myself like walking down the street and just thinking, you know what? It, it's just like any other city. Like, I mean, there's buildings, there's people, there's trees, and then I look over. And uh, a, a compost truck is driving by with a sticker on this side that says fueled by natural gas. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. They there's this the city composts like the city, 
the city, the whole city composts, and then yeah. they use that for fuel. Um, yeah, but uh, the interesting thing about saying that specifically is that you would think in the heartland where we grow a ton of things, mm -hmm. that the recycling of soil, the attention to honestly Nature. making sure that we can continue to grow food and not run into another dust bowl by making sure that, you know, we're replenishing the nitrogen, the carbon, and sequestering the the atmosphere's carbon right into the soil so that we can bury some of the greenhouse gases, but also provide the necessary materials of that top layer that gets washed away through erosion because we love to till, mm. right? We think we've been taught these practices over and over and over again. And the problem is, is that some of them that we've been sold do not work the way that we thought they do. And we've learned a lot. And on the coast over here, right, in this big metropolitan city, right, in a certain respect, they're looking at saying, okay, we're going to compost the foods, scraps. We're going to make sure that we add, add topsoil and able to grow things because we understand how that cycle works. But then here we continue to sell the idea over and over again that this is the best farming practices. Mm. And then I throw away a lot of food scraps because it's not, it's not a uh, provided opportunity, mm -hmm. right? Where I live, like there's literally fields where there's cattle grazing, where they grow like on rotation. What I mean, like there's so much of that, like literally, what is it? Like at the end of my Just, street across yeah. the road, like that's it. And that's rural. Right, that's it. But we don't do that. Like I don't have a program to make sure that happens. I have a compost in my backyard to grow my own vegetables. But I make way too many food scraps for that. Mm -hmm. right? I just don't pr provide enough for it. But it's just interesting that perspective. The approach is not necessarily more informed, right? It's just one of those things that this infrastructure, you know, not everybody understands that, but it's available to be able to contribute. You don't have to have the cognitive like, oh, this is how all this, this is how the plant cycle does all like all. You don't have to do all that. The program has to be available. Mm -hmm. and it has to be maintained. And it has, like, those things would do so well in the heartland if they were provided by a state that actually had those same interests. And by state, I mean politicians that make the rules to be able to harvest the land and all that kind of stuff. If they were inspiring those types of practices, educating but also providing those services the same way that some of the coasts do, our topsoil would be way better. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's just one of the defining characteristics as far as, like, the signing, like, the science, like you moving out there, right? You might look at that and be like, oh my gosh, there's there's this there's this flight, right? Like I'm going to do something else. I've spent my time in Missouri. And I could look at that and say, like, oh, I left my teaching post. You know what I mean? I finally, like, I was in the public education, I was fighting the good fight. I was staying, I hunkered down and did my thing. But like there's other ways to do that. Mm -hmm. Like just because you're going there doesn't mean you're not also providing resources that could be used and fighting the same problems. It's honestly that part of it is the system in place makes it so that there are opportunities for you personally. There's other things that our government can provide um, that, that we just don't because like the priorities aren't there. But like literally for people's lives here, farming, like a compost truck would be amazing where I live because right. I could add it down the street to help them grow my food 
that's it. Mm-hmm. But we don't do that. We just don't. We, we don't worry about educating it, and we also don't worry well, about arguing for it in Jeff in Jeff City. So. I mean, it's it's so much che- cheaper and easier to privatize a landfill than it is to get a composting, you know, system up and running right. for the public. Yeah, it's it's just the priorities, and it's so interesting to me that it's like, well, they don't understand. They don't really necessarily have to understand. You don't necessarily have to understand it all. Like, well, that's not your expertise. doesn't matter. The people should be making informed decisions that are not, how do I help make another landfill to gain a profit? How do I make sure that this doesn't enter a curriculum? How do I make sure that we control almost a monopoly off of certain types of food sources? And instead say, how do I make sure the farmer doesn't have to use so much fertilizer, so many chemicals, and have a, such a hard time when the weather gets really, really bad that they can grow crops that honestly have the topsoil that we can make out of composting and also not only produce monoculture crops. Mm. Like that's, I mean, it's just all these things, but we just don't incentivize that. So, but anyway, that's my little science spiel. That's like me going like, whoa, let's drag all this stuff in to make it like the Delta, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, my point is, is that you're here you're here because the last conversation when you visited me last, we started something right before you went, like <laughs> literally on your way out the door. It's called a doorknob confessional. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's well, it's, we used to think it was like the linky goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's just the Midwestern goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's literally like documented online where you're like, okay, I love you. Bye. And then here's you get a the hug. Like, okay. And then like, oh, here's another thing. Let's talk about that. Let's decompress. Let's do all these kind of things. And then you walk to the doorknob, right? You wave. And then you have that one last thing that you forgot. And you talk at the window when you roll. I mean, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. literally like, man, like everybody's there like, yes, why are you talking about this? Anybody else that's not something, that's the stupidest thing. <laughs> Just say goodbye. They walk out, release them to the world and let them out of your house. But we all, we both wanted it. Mm-hmm. It's not a parasitic relationship. It's like you kept turning around too. But the point that I'm making is our conversation centered around one very, very important thing. And that is how what people think sometimes is best for us in the places that we live and what we're looking at kind of sometimes, right, makes us look at it and go, oh dear, all of the things that I thought I was doing led me to a place where I didn't know if I ever wanted to be because now I know. And I think I was reading millennials are struggling with this a lot. Millennials are reaching and going, I feel like I'm just now starting at 40, which I'm going to be 40, like 39 this year. Right. And I'm going to look and be like, okay, I've got it now. I can start my life. And it's like literally my midlife crisis. Technically, but I really do look at that. Like, I'm really like, I'm ready. I mean, with, with the change in job, I mean, you've, you've had a serious crisis not that long ago. Right. And I'm, I'm ready. I found it. Like I found, and they're mm-hmm. like, no man, like you're, you're, wait, yeah, you're wait, halfway through. Wait a couple of years and, yeah. and, and then, you know, yeah. let me know if you're out of that tunnel. Right. Right. And I think that's what it is. Like, are we, are we going somewhere further and are we able to progress out of that? So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that sound good to you. Sure. Framing of that. Yeah. Let's go for it. Support this show and all of the work in the Heartland Pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the Patreon link to sign up. Membership starts at $1 per month and goes up from there with extra shows and special access at the higher levels. heartlandpod.com 
click the Patreon link, or just go to Patreon and search for The Heartland Pod. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create these independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. Now back so to the I show. So I think the crux of the conversation that I had with you last time I was here really centered around the concept of me thinking about how my parents gave me a better version of their life. I ended up living very close to where, like in the same community that my parents both grew, grew up in. I graduated from that same high school that they graduated from. And they both treated me better than their parents treated them. And that is admirable and I am deeply grateful and have so much gratitude for how hard they worked and their struggle. I also feel as though that was not the right decision for me. I am not them in many ways. <laughs> I'm not half of one and half of the other. I'm something completely different. And uh, a lot of those decisions, while those would have been the best decisions for their childhood, were very poor decisions for my childhood. Um, I wanted to go to college and did. Uh, I mentioned I have a math background. And whenever I ended up finally getting to university, it was one of the hardest struggles of my life because I hadn't been taught anything that was like calculus. Um, and so I, I really... I really had to, to struggle through with that. Um, whenever I was growing up, I was very, very allergic to <laughs> pollen. <laughs> and I grew up in the middle of a national forest, which is, <laughs> you guessed it, full of pollen. So I ended up being sick most of my childhood. And I can't help but wonder how much these decisions stunted not only my physical growth but also my mental growth and it's it's this dichotomy of the deep gratitude that i have for my parents and also this 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 concept it's a it's a fairly newer concept of you know meeting the child where they are and why that was impossible for whenever i was a kid you know why couldn't why couldn't they look around and see that that may not have been the best educational place to go to? That a town with less than 700 people probably isn't going to have the best school system. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, a sickly child might need a different environment um, instead of just saying, oh, well, he's just going to be sick all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think of it from like looking at where I am trying to do this more like novel newish concept with some of my children right now. It's like you're guessing with no previous knowledge because like the previous knowledge you have is like, okay, this is what I didn't like when I was young. And I also know that I would love to have done this. So let me build in all of these things that I can possibly make not only 
for me to enjoy being a parent, right? To give off something and present something and try to do that. But at a certain time, we do have to look at it and be like, okay, where's the root of the struggle that's going on with the individual? Because obviously, once you get to that stage to pass on something, the world that my kids will not exist when they're adults. Mm. So like I'm looking at it the same way you are, that I'm extremely grateful for everything that built me into what this is. But at the same time, we both look and go like, oh, wait, like was the advice that I received, right, good for the environment that I was in? Good for the environment that was going to be, right? What did all what did all that occur, and where does that all go? And it's it's extremely difficult to do that, but at the same time, I honestly and earnestly feel that like there's so much stagnation inside of sometimes the heartland that looks at our parents, right, and says, okay. But what opportunities did they have, right, right then to be able to allow that to happen or be able to pursue that themselves? And what was already framed in their mind through the generations before them even of what it meant to raise a child? Because, like, it's way different now, significantly different now than what you actually see. But at the same time, like, that progress is... Well, it's slow up until you can share information quickly. Like, I I feel as though the childhood that I had, you know, is hopefully a thing of the past where, you know, their their parents were very authoritarian Mm -hmm. and whatever dad said was law. And that was that was the beginning and the end. Right. And um, and that's I, I feel as though that's also a huge danger of conservatism parenting, if that's a word. Sure. And uh, because just, it, it's not a one size fits all for every kid. It's not a one size fits all for every person. Each right. person has different, you know, different skills, different needs, different things that they excel at and struggle with. Right. And to say that we should push them all through this same mold is, is so short-sighted and and you know you can look at you can look at different examples of history where people that didn't fit the mold were were ostracized or bullied or marginalized in some way to either um, take drastic measures into their own hands or leave right and in one way or another and that's I mean maybe that's more a more modern morality but i don't think that that was an acceptable thing to do so and that's and that's and that's i i guess i guess that does kind of touch on what we talked about in the last episode we chatted is you know is is the is the evolution does the evolution of morality make things seem a bit worse than they actually are. Have things always been this way? It's, I don't know, it gets really murky really quickly um, because today is different than yesterday. <laughs> right, right. And and I think that there's a really interesting point because you're like, 
made up a word. What was it? Conservatism? Con- conservative conservatism parenting <laughs> but and, and i and i've been wrestling with that for a little while because what that really means like in its origin of like the word like it means like making sure that something may like is still there right so like i honestly obviously like think biological conservation like conservation that's actually supposed to pay attention to making sure that not only hunting practices are kept you know in check and and and, and robust enough for populations of deer but also in a certain respect like making sure that the land is maintained mm. right there, there's a maintenance type of like conservation in that respect so now sometimes i like say these words because these words are also loaded right all of them are loaded so we've kind of changed the way that it is and we keep talking about progressivism and as i'm currently the journal i'm like is it honestly just the absolute opposite is it actually regressivism? Like, is there actually a backward slide? Because literally in the past, not even like the last president before that, like it's been used of some kind of make something great again, make the way that it was. It's always been these glory days. Always it's always been like, back. Yes. It's, and, and that kind of thing, this backwards thinking to get back to good. You're like, if we can just take, rewind the time, there was a golden age to where I was a child that did these things. And it was, and we, I, and, the, and then there's this idealization of what was actually occurring in the past because our brains edit out mm-hmm. some of the awful. And at the end, we make amends with some of the awful. And it's not that we make excuses. It's like we start to really kind of figure out as we grow up, like, okay, it is difficult. It really is hard when you hit all of these points. But at the end, if you're going back in time and be like, I'm going to make it better than what I had, you're comparing it to what you were at 10. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or what you were at 5 or whatever it is. And you're literally like 20-something, like 30-something years down the road from where that was. And you have to kind of look at it and go like, okay, forward thinking. And that's progressive. Like, that's actually looking forward and saying, like, okay, what do I do? And part of that is two things that I think about. One is, like you said, if it's a dangerous area, if you're worried about yourself and and mental health and all that kind of stuff, there is this kind of, like, you have to go, Mm -hmm. find something to where that community exists, to where there's an acceptance feature of whatever belief structure, lifestyle, like, all that kind of stuff matters for you. But the other thing is, is that like, there's also this, can you make that school that had 700 people Oh no. grow? The town had 700 people. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. The town had 700 people. So like, yes, that's how, that's the size that we're talking about. Yeah. So graduating class is what? 50. 50, right? Some of the schools that I've worked at, the graduating class has been like 15. Yeah. So we're talking like very, very small. So can you grow those communities? Can you prioritize that? Can you move it up? And the problem is, as I look at it now is, yeah, I can fight all day long. I can fight all day long for what I want to happen there. But the forces that control the larger part of that, I can't. Right. Like it's sabotaging every single effort. And if I keep trying harder to make a better future for my children than I had by focusing so diligently on this issue, I'm not looking forward to their future and going like, okay, to actually rectify that problem for when they get there, I have to do these things. Mm -hmm. I have to make these chess moves right now. 
And that's where we're kind of looking at as far as like for us, for my family is like, okay, yes, honestly, my children, my son, my daughters, all that kind of stuff, or however, that aspect of the future that they're gonna that they're gonna have, I will probably not directly impact that. Mm. I won't. I can't change the school system holistically so that by the time they graduate, it is different or still exists. I don't know where it's gonna go, but my point is, is like, I can't do that. But what I can do is look ahead to grandchildren. And the futures of what they pass on and maybe I can influence that so it's like when I was saying this connectivity as far as like being able to travel and go another see other places and move around the country but also like share communication mm-hmm. through podcasts through the internet through all of those things yeah that's great we can do all of that but minds are computers yeah, but they're not computers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's kind of the thing is that like that progress that we're making is inch by inch. But mm-hmm. at certain points in time, you've got to say, can I move this any well, further? It's it's a little bit like like that joke that I shared with you about the guy and his house is on fire uh-huh. and he, he keeps getting a glass of water and dumping it on his house. Right. And uh, it's it's not making a dent, obviously, because right. a glass of water of t- at a time isn't going to do anything. And the fire department doesn't believe in house fires anymore. Right. So no one's helping him, but mm-hmm. he's doing what he can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's still, you know, going to lose his house. Right. And it's like at some point you, you have to actually, you know, either move which mm-hmm. is what this guy's gonna have to do because right. his house burned down uh or you know actually make people make the fire department put out fires like they're supposed to right you right know, it's not an individual it's not an it's not a thing you can individually do right right and, and there's and there's one other option that is a very morbid option but for some of us in our generation right now that we exist in as gen y millennials or whatever is where we've been looking at the future right that we were kind of like looking forward to Mm -hmm. but not raised to have right in a certain respect and i don't mean like poorly raised but it's just one of those things that you look at and be like is it going to do that was i given a big enough bucket in certain respects was i trained enough to be able to handle the fire that was going to be lit and there's two different options that you said you can continue to throw the glass of water on the house and say, I'm doing the best I can, or you can go find another house or some of this comes down to you become that, that dog meme and you just sit in the middle of the house, drinking your cup of coffee Mm, and just say, it's fine. And you burn up in the house because you don't make a decision one way or another, either to get involved to figure out what bucket you can grow or how many bucket brigades you can get and network and figure out how to help put out the fire that is your house, in this case, state, country, whatever, mm-hmm. or go save and go try to do work from somewhere else. But so many times we find comfort in just the warmth and say, well, it's, 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 I don't have enough, so I'll just sit. And the problem is, is for the legitimate future for my children, as far as I'm looking forward to like raising, like, no, the glass of water that I was instructed to make mm-hmm. and to keep, that's not going to suffice. Yeah. So, yeah, 
it's kind of a good joke. And then I made it like really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Then, okay. Just to, just to finish it off. Glass of water. I'm not drinking water. Okay. Would you like another beer? Uh, yes, please. All right. <laughs> 